Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hey, Michael. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And today, we are going to answer one of your questions. Uh, We have an awesome question from someone named Melissa. We're specifically talking about how to overcome late night snacking. Melissa has some really big goals in her health and fitness, and she's kind of being derailed by late night snacking. And we're going to talk about some strategies for overcoming that. Before we get into that, if you haven't done so already, we would really appreciate if you would leave us a quick review. It helps us reach more people and it makes us really happy. And if you want one of your questions answered on the show, you can go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash podcast, scroll down to the start recording button and leave us a nice concise message with your name, where you're from and what your question is. And if it's great, then we'll answer it on the show. Yeah. Super pumped about answering your questions. So do it. And I just want to say that you're looking pretty hot today. Thanks. thanks. I just had to, it's I because we've spent a couple of days away from each other. So I think I'm just, you know, new to you. So if I'm, if I come across a little distracted, guys, <laughs> you know, that might be the corniest thing I've ever said on here. But <laughs> okay, so let's play that question. Hi, guys. This is Melissa from Eureka, California area. And I have a question that I think is right up your alley, or I hope so. I am working on my own health habits and journey and goals, and I have a supportive husband, but um, there are some scenarios where I could use some more tools in my tool belt for coping. Um, One of the habits I'm trying to break is late night snacking, and I'm looking for recommendations for what we do when your significant other is marching by you with peanut butter pretzels or all sorts of things. And how do I kind of recode the internal messages I have um, for me for dealing with those kind of challenges where maybe your partner's goals are not in alignment with your own, but after 25 years of marriage, we're not going to change. All right. Love to hear you. Melissa, thank you so much for the question. I think this is something that so many of us, me for sure, deal with, and we're excited to dive into it. Yeah, I think there's so many different themes that we can talk about in this question that are talked about here, not just about late night snacking, but also how to manage different goals in a relationship, how to approach change and growth in your relationship. So I'm super excited about talking about this one, and I think it'll be really valuable for people. And our answer is it's going to have it's going to be a mixture of on one hand, dealing with and getting support from your husband or for anyone else listening, getting support from people around you. And then we have several strategies that you can do all on your own, despite what the people around you are doing. Mm -hmm. So ideally, we always want the most supportive environment around us. So the most supportive people um, doing the most supportive things possible. But those are completely outside of our control. Mm-hmm. So we also have to have strategies for dealing with our our goals and our own shit, uh, despite what other people are yeah. doing. Yeah. And I know she did mention that her husband is supportive. Right. So it's, right. it is 
being supportive in the way that is valuable to you or helps you reach your goals. Because I know that the support that you need, Michael, is different than the support that I need. So sometimes we give support in the way that we want support. And so it's just having conversations around being giving the most valuable support. I don't yes, know if that's the right the word. Maximum I'm support. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think this is so important because all of us are bound to have something come up like this in our life, whether it be a nutrition or work or our intimate relationship. We're gonna we're gonna have something like this come up, and so the the conversation that we're gonna have around having direct and open conversations, I think, will be valuable, and it allows us to get the most support out of people possible. Uh, if we don't learn how to have these types of conversations or to deal with deal with temptations like this, despite what other people are doing, then we could have the best nutrition program in the world and never reach our goals because totally. we just keep getting derailed. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into it. So the first thing that really jumped out to me was the end of the question, Melissa says, what do you do after 25 years of marriage when uh, neither of us are going to change? So it kind of like really jumped out at me. Those were like code red sirens. Yeah. So this for both, I think both of us were like, oh, okay, let's just tackle this one first. And it's not, I can totally understand, you know, 25 years of marriage, we are only at four years of marriage. So we don't completely understand in terms of having gone through it ourselves, but I can imagine you've been through routines. You totally get each other. You, you have this system of the way that things work. What I hear immediately when I hear that we're not going to change is I have a fixed mindset about this part of our relationship, which means that I believe that there's no way for this to change, but anything that we provide for you today, any strategy or any way to improve this situation is going to require some level of change and growth on both of your parts because you interact with one another. And I 100% firmly believe that you can change in this scenario. Doesn't mean that it will be easy or it doesn't, there's no indication of how long this is going to take, but I would just really recommend the noticing when you, when you say things like that or think things like that, because I actually think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't really believe that on the deep down. And you're not asking this question because you're, you, you realize that something needs to change, but you're also at the same time saying that nothing's going to change. So, um, just noticing that a little bit because what you say ends up becoming your reality. Mm -hmm. So, as long as you have the mindset that your husband could possibly change, and another way to reframe this is just grow. I'm mm-hmm. sure you believe that he can grow. Um, and she can grow right, in this right. way. Um, then we highly recommend having a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And a great way to start that is just to say, hey, I want to I have a conversation with you. I could really use some support. Or, hey, I have a vulnerable thing I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And asking, there's a couple things that when you're having this conversation that we can talk about that would make it the most successful conversation possible because it really, a conversation like this where it's a little bit scary, you guys have been in a routine for a long time, it's going to be difficult to change and it might be a little bit tricky and this is not it's not going to be perfect right after you have this conversation. So this conversation can lead to moments of, hey, remember we had that conversation and w- right now this is like a difficult situation for me and you're asking someone to change in the moment. You know, like example, you have a conversation asking 
him not to eat certain foods around you. And then the next night he does it, being like pointing it out and not getting into fights over it mm. is going to be a difficult thing to do. So yeah, being, yeah, being critical when you're asking for help mm. is like a, it's kind of a recipe for, for failure in this, right? It's not something that he asked for in the first mm -hmm. place. So he probably doesn't want to be criticized when he makes a, when he either makes a mistake or he just chooses himself over you in that moment. Um, so we really encourage you not to make this about him, mm -hmm. but instead make it about you. Make it about your goals so you can express, these are my goals, and express how you are struggling or how like what your obstacle is. And as much as you can, make it about your own feelings and your own your own obstacle. You can say something like, I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong here, but anytime you bring peanut butter pretzels through the room at night, it's really hard for me to resist not going in and eating them myself. And you can wrap it up in a bow and say, again, I'm really not saying you're doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I could really use your support here. Mm -hmm. It would really, really help me if as much as you can, you would either A, not eat those things in the house or just not eat them around me. Totally. Yeah. And it's important to know that he, that he knows that you're not asking him to stop eating them. Um, it's just that you're talking about your feelings about it of what comes up for you when he's eating them around you or uh, how you struggle in with temptation around that situation. I think another key point is to let him know what's in it for him, right? Mm -hmm. Don't just make it about your goals, but tell him like when you reach your goals, when you're eating the way that you want to eat, and this is kind of just an arbitrary example, but uh, I can probably project a little bit of what it would be like for me. Um, you're probably more confident. You're probably happier. You're probably a better wife to him. Mm -hmm. And all of those things he's going to love. If, if this is a healthy relationship that you're in and someone that really wants to see you happy and successful and getting what she wants in life, then I think showing him what's in it for him uh, can be a really useful tool. Totally. That's definitely come up in our relationship before where I know I can only speak for myself, but if I'm taking care of myself and I'm eating right and I'm exercising and I feel good about my body, we are in a better place. We're having more sex where I'm feeling I'm more confident. I'm nicer. I'm more willing to help out. It's like, it's huge. Huge difference for sure. So there definitely is a lot that is in it for him and that can be incorporated into the conversation. Again, when... So let's say he accepts. He says, yes, I, I'm, I'm on board and I'm down to help you with this. Mm -hmm. I'm down to support you. Just like we brought up earlier, if the next night he makes a mistake and he forgets, try your best not to criticize. Instead, wait for the moment that he takes just a baby step in the direction of where, you're, where you would like him to go, right? Maybe he, he brings out the peanut butter pretzels the second night and he realizes that that's tempting to you and then he goes back and he brings them into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, praise the shit out of that and really thank him and, and let him know how appreciative you are, even though he wasn't maybe perfect in that moment, that you can tell he's trying. Yes. So reduce the criticism up the praise and appreciation. Yes. Even the slightest movement in the right direction, if you can praise that, it gives people want to be praised. People want to be appreciated and they want to do right, you know, like they want to do the right thing. So praising even a little bit, it's helping that person have more confidence and feel like they can keep doing it. Whereas criticism 
can lead to defensiveness and make people resent having to do this behavior where now he's getting positive benefits for helping out. And it's like, oh, I want to keep doing this because I keep getting this praise, which I love. Right. Okay. So that is a strategy for getting more support from your partner. Mm -hmm. Let's say that your partner does not want to help. And in fact, they want to, they want to make it even harder, right? They want to bring out peanut butter pretzels and ice cream at night. Mm -hmm. So the next four strategies that we have are things that you can do all on your own that are completely under your control that can help you overcome things like yeah, this. Yeah, these are definitely more tactical. A couple examples, they're by no means the only examples of things that you can try, but maybe they can trigger for you even another thing beyond what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about of that. It's like, oh, maybe I could try this. These are just some things through our experience that we've seen be successful for people in these similar situations. And any one of them would be a good place to start. I would also suggest that the conversation with each other should not be the only thing that you try. Having a conversation and asking for support from your partner is is definitely really important and at least being open about what you want and so that they can notice how their behavior might be inhibiting you from achieving what you want. But you should also be doing something that is completely on your own outside of them. That You're talking is about tactics uh, stacking. <laughs> well, normally I would say try one thing at a time, but I think in this scenario, just having a conversation is relieving yourself of responsibility in a sense where you're still responsible for yourself and your goals and to do what you can do. And if you're like, I need you to stop eating or I would love it if you could eat peanut butter pretzels away from me and that's the only thing you've implemented, now your goals are in someone else's hands a little bit. Mm -hmm. So these are things that you're in control of and I absolutely think that you should at least implement one of the four or something that comes across in your head after we've described them. So the first is to draw a bright line in the sand. So the concept of a bright line is saying something like, I don't eat sugar. When you declare to yourself or others that you do not do something, then there's no if ands or buts about it there's no deci- there's no decision having to be made so every time or you might say i don't eat peanut butter so mm-hmm. then every time he brings peanut butter pretzels by you don't even have to think about it you've made this bright line that you do not eat peanut butter at all mm-hmm. yes um it could also be in a more positively worded where i eat outside of the kitchen or or like I always eat outside or, yeah, of the kitchen or I always or I only eat in the kitchen or like things like that where these decisions have been made ahead of time and um this bright line should be something that feels really good to you and is something that you really want to incorporate as being a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really good point before the show. Th- this bright line thing is not something that we would it would never be our our first go-to because we're, we're usually um, more about spreading flexibility and like long-term sustainability. All of these things that we're about to tell you are things that can help you in the short term really gain control over this situation and start to build some discipline. So these are things that you can do for a little bit that you shouldn't expect to have to do forever. Yeah, unless you really want to, unless it's really if, something if it that, really feels, well, yeah. that feels and it's easy for you. But oftentimes there is... You put in a, a 
discipline for a short period of time and it can kind of break the cycle. So a lot, a great example that people can probably relate to is you meet somebody who's like, I'm never going to eat or I'm not, I'm not eating sugar. I don't eat sugar right now. And they talk about how the first couple weeks of not eating sugar is really difficult and there's lots of cravings and they see it and they really want to eat it. But then they reach this point where they've broken the cycle and they no longer crave sugar anymore, at least not even close to the extent that they were craving sugar before. So this is kind of like that. The bright line that you've set for yourself doesn't necessarily have to be something that you follow forever, but it helps you break that cycle so that you feel more confident and you feel less like that thing is in control of you and you're in control of whatever thing it is that you're trying to conquer and you can be around it a little bit more. You know, that's... um, we're trying to build confidence here and sometimes creating that bright line for a short period of time can help you do that for sure. The second one is to just pre-plan a snack into your overall, the plan of your day. This one has been such a game changer for me personally. Just the idea, like I've tried so many different things like giving up sugar or only having it once a week and the times that have worked for the, the longest amount of time and have felt the easiest have been when I just allow myself to have a snack at the end of the night and I pre-program it in. So then that way I don't, I'm not like cheating or I'm not going off the plan. I've already worked it into the plan. So mm-hmm. it, it, it works out. And so you don't overeat. So you don't have too much because you've already decided how much you're going to have. You get to, if your husband's going to be eating a snack, you get to be eating a snack at the same time. So you can be distracted versus I'm sitting here not eating anything at all. And he's eating these amazingly delicious. So some, like, this is just an example of a snack that is in our house right now. It's the nighttime thing that we're obsessed with. It's plain Greek yogurt with some peanut butter and some strawberries or some type of fruit. Definitely a healthier option, harder to completely overindulge on and absolutely delicious. So maybe that, and we get excited for it. I also got some recommendations on Instagram when I posted it to Instagram, add a little bit of collagen, chocolate collagen protein to it, or put it in the freezer after you mix it together and it turns it into kind of like ice cream. So not to say that's how you should live your life, but (laughs) it's a pretty delicious snack. So I think there are also some better options that can feel more like you're still heading towards your goals and don't derail you and distract you from the temptations that your husband, of the snacks that your husband's eating. The number four is to change your environment. You want to talk about this one? Yes. So this situation of like when you have a conversation with your husband, just having the peanut butter pretzels around you is triggering and tempting. So you can work together with your husband on how to change the environment of your home to make it easier on you mentally. So every time you see those peanut butter pretzels, it's chipping away at your willpower. Maybe you guys, for example, are watching TV in an area that's really easily accessible to snacks that are tempting to you. So often the living room or the TV room is really close to the kitchen and the, or the kitchen is a really loungeable place and it's where people hang out and socialize and they, and they spend time there. So it's really easy when you're in the kitchen, your brain is thinking, this is where we eat. And so it's thinking about what can I eat? And it's probably even triggering hunger cues when you might not even be hungry. So 
doing things like spending less time in the kitchen. An example might be if your TV is really close to the kitchen, maybe for a short period of time, moving the TV into a different room entirely and watching TV somewhere different, going to a different room, doing something in a place that's not so close to the food that's tempting you. If that, does that make sense? Absolutely. All right, cool. And then the fourth one, and this is possibly the hardest, is to take a mindful approach. So as your husband is walking past with those delicious little peanut butter pretzels, notice the physical sensations that go on in your body. Then notice the thoughts that are associated with those physical sensations. Mm -hmm. And what you might notice is that there's this story that that just happens and starts playing automatically about mm -hmm. how, oh, you know, F him for, for, for doing this to me. Do I, do I want them? Do I need them? And you're like slowly talking yourself into going and falling into that temptation. If you really just pay attention and get present with those physical sensations, it's, it can still be really uncomfortable, but it stops at that just as a, at, at a physical sensation rather than leading to uh, a behavior on your part. And one thing that you can try is something that I think her name is Brooke Castillo. She yeah. owns the Life Coach School. She talks about uh, a cool strategy called the urge jar. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually tried it for a little bit and it was kind of fun. Um, the idea is that every time you notice an urge for a food or for whatever it is that you're working on, and you resist the temptation of going and eating it, then you put one bead in your urge jar. And you could do, you could make this a really fun thing for yourself. Um, you could say, every time I get 10 or 20 beads in the urge jar, I'm going to get myself a massage, or I'm gonna go out to the movies, or I'm gonna go hang out with a friend. You could have some type of reward, ideally not, I'm gonna go pound a pizza, right. something that takes you away from your goals. You, you, you reward yourself for um, noticing those urges for an extended period of time. The cool thing about the urge jar is that we're so quick to notice when we do things, when we do things that are, are against our goals. Mm -hmm. We notice when we give in to the temptation and we, we notice... Focus, we focus more on those than the positive. But it's kind of easier to notice those things. It's harder to keep track of the amount of times you've resisted urges. Right. So that's why I love the urge jar because... There's this visible example of how many times I've resisted an urge. It's harder to notice the absence of something, like I didn't give in to the temptation, mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. it is to notice the, the what's the opposite of absence? Like the presence, presence of uh, the presence of something where I did give in to the urges. So this puts some real tangibility around I'm actually doing really great, which can, I don't think after... I think it would be amazing if this happened, but after you implement any of these strategies, I don't think you're never going to give in to the temptation ever again. So something like an urge jar can see, you can see I resisted the urge 25 times. There's 25 beads in the jar and I gave in one time. And then next time it's like I resisted it 30 times. And then so that you can notice that it's becoming farther and fewer between and praise yourself or at least celebrate progress in that way. Whereas before without something like an urge jar, it's harder to notice that kind of progress. Mm -hmm. So I really do love the idea and it can give you some compassion around potentially the moments where you do give in to temptations again, which is probably likely to occur. This is a really, 
um, I feel for you, Melissa, because this is a really, really difficult one to overcome for sure. For sure. And you got it. Yeah, 100%. So let's wrap this up. So on one hand, we have the conversation, right? Assume a growth mindset in your husband. Assume that he can grow and change. Um, Try your best not to make it about him. Make it more about your goals and the support that you would love to have from him. Tell him what's in it for him. And anytime he takes even a baby step in the direction that you want him to go, praise the shit out of it. Then we have four strategies that you can do that are completely inside of your control. You can draw a bright line. You can pre-plan a snack into your overall day. You can change your environment. And you can take a mindful approach and maybe even use the urge jar. I think if you make one or more of these a consistent practice, if you have a conversation like this, um, you will be blown away by the support that you can actually get from your husband. Mm -hmm. Yes. I really appreciate your question, Melissa, and I hope that this was valuable for you. Later. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.